Listeners and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is a storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everyone. Steve, we don't get the opportunity to do many mysteries about robberies. We did do that. Remember that great mystery involving John Dillinger's stolen loot? Yeah, of course. That was That's a, a great long one. FUD. And then we did an episode about a daring Cleveland bank heist back in the 70s where they've identified the teller that ripped them off, but they've never been able to find him. Right. But, you know, actually, few robberies have enough detail to warrant an entire story. This case does. But you're going to have to keep up with me because this one appears to be a robbery wrapped in a con job, rolled in a cover-up, and boiled in a vat of deception. How do you like that? Those are great words. Are you? <laughs> Good adjectives. Good adjectives. Well, this is, a, this is an old case, too. It's a 19th century whodunit involving Medina County's biggest employer, the venerable Westfield Insurance Company. Westfield's headquarters is in a village named for it, Westfield Center, and today it employs some 2,600 people. But way back in 1865, when our story takes place, the company was a small but growing enterprise founded by a group of farmers. Back then, they called it Ohio Farmers Insurance Company. So go back with me to April 3rd, 1865. What else was going in it? on in April of 65, Steve? I don't know. Is that the end of the Civil War? Yes, yes. To put that time into perspective for you, the Civil War is going to end in six days, and President Lincoln is going to be assassinated in two weeks. But on April 3rd, there's something else that's making headline news. In the wee morning hours, someone slipped inside the Ohio Farmers Insurance Company cracked the safe, and absconded with $60,000 in cash and bonds. Today, that would be the equivalent of about 900000 Cracked the safe. That's why you never use one, two, three as your safe combination. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The robbery was discovered by Secretary Amos Hawley, who opened the office that morning to find the safe swung wide open. It was a state-of-the-art strong box sold to them as being not only fireproof, but burglar-proof. Inside job. Inside job. Well, this is a disaster. Whoever did it, this is a disaster that might have ended a lesser company. Before the robbery, the company's accumulated assets were barely over $100,000. So of the 60000 that was stolen, about 10000 of that belonged to private individuals who had permission to store their personal cash in the company's unbreakable safe. 
That means the 50000 lost by the company was half the company's worth. But the company decided to fight back just as aggressively. They started by offering a $7,000 reward in 1865, a $7,000 reward for the arrest of the burglars and the recovery of the money. But they also had to figure out what to do about policyholders who were no doubt tempted to panic as well as the potential loss of new customers who might have lost faith in this young company. So President Rufus Freeman reacted exactly the opposite of one might do in their personal life if they had lost half their wealth. Instead of tightening their belt, the company launched an advertising campaign to show off their confidence. They had agents stack piles of dollar bills in their office windows beneath signs that said the company now covered losses by paying cash on the spot. The bold move brought in so many new customers, the money that was lost in the robbery was quickly made up, but not forgotten. The company was going to be okay, but it was time to catch those burglars. This was more than your run-of-the-mill challenge. The village had never had a felony within its borders before. They didn't even have so much as a constable on the payroll. And even if they had a police force at their disposal, the burglars left no clues behind. But those bonds weren't going to remain secret forever, not if someone wanted to cash in on them. And sure enough, five months after the robbery, someone did just that. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a banker named William Price realized some bonds he had purchased were the same stolen from the Ohio Farmers Insurance Company. So Banker Price called Ohio Farmers to report the exchange, which he had made with a man named Samuel Felker, who claimed to be an attorney from Chicago. Banker Price told the company officials, don't involve the police in Milwaukee, don't involve the police in Chicago, presumably because they were either inept or more likely corruptible. Probably, yeah. yeah. Instead, Banker Price told the Ohio farmers people, go to the most famous detective in the country, the Scotsman Alan Pinkerton, founder of the legendary Pinkerton Detective Agency. Nice. So at the start of September of 1865, Ohio farmers president Rufus Freeman and board member J.T. McDowell traveled to Pinkerton's office in Chicago and hired him. And get this, it took Detective Pinkerton just three weeks to figure this case out. He came back to Ohio. He shared his theory. He named a former resident of Medina County, a cattle buyer named E.A. Dean, as being the mastermind, assisted by two Illinois men named William Wilkinson and Alexander McKay. Now, on the night of the robbery, Dean was ill, but Wilkinson and McKay carried their plan out anyway. And after cracking the safe, McKay took a third of the booty for himself and went his separate way, leaving Wilkinson with his third and the cattle buyer's third. Wilkinson needed help in trying to sell those hot bonds, so he consulted with a brothel operator he knew, who suggested Wilkinson use Samuel Felker as a middleman for selling the bonds. And here's karma for you, because the takers are going to get took. The brothel operator and that middleman Felker 
devised a plan to rob Wilkinson. They showed up at his home to transfer the bonds, then had a third man claiming to be a detective storm in during the transaction and seize the $40,000 in cash and bonds that Wilkinson still had in his possession in the name of the law, of course. Wilkinson had no choice but to give up his ill-gotten gains. Now, Felker was in possession of the stolen bonds, and to get rid of them, he hired a counterfeiter to alter their numbers, after which he sold them to the Milwaukee banker Price. After Pinkerton had all of this figured out, he contacted the officials at Ohio Farmers Insurance and said, get the Medina County Sheriff's Office to start extradition proceedings for all of these guys involved. And then Pinkerton himself personally arrested Samuel Felker and delivered him to Medina County all before that month of September was out. And so preparations began for the trial of Samuel Felker. And it soon became clear why Milwaukee banker Price didn't want Ohio Farmers Insurance to bother with involving Milwaukee or Chicago police. Get this, banker Price revealed to them when Felker first approached him about selling the bonds, the banker was a little suspicious of his behavior. Felker's answer to some routine questions seemed evasive. To put the banker at ease, Felker had the Milwaukee police chief himself, William Beck, vouch for his character. Well, if you have the police chief as a reference, that should be good enough, right? So the banker started buying the bonds. It wasn't until Samuel Felker returned with more bonds for sale that the banker looked close enough to see the numbers had been tampered with. And that's when he was able to trace the real numbers to the Ohio Farmers Insurance theft. So Banker Price goes to Felker and the Milwaukee police chief and says, hey, you're selling me stolen bonds, after which the two men act completely surprised and immediately return to the banker $8,700 from the previous sales. Banker Price gives this $8,700 to Ohio Farmers Insurance. So it seems like there's no mystery, right? Okay, Pinkerton is all about solving mysteries, and he had so much detail on this one, names, dates, places, that when he delivered Felker to Medina County, he came tied with a big red ribbon. But this is Ohio Mysteries, so you've got to know a big twist is coming. And here's the twist. When prisoner Felker is now sitting in the Medina County Jail, he comes up with this story. He's not a thief. He's a detective who had gone underground to personally solve the Ohio Farmers Insurance robbery. (laughs) And wow, he gets some really authoritative people to speak up for him. The Milwaukee police chief, he was just the least of them. Among those supporting Felker's claim to having been doing an underground sting were a detective named Thomas McKinstry from Cleveland and a man named Pill Munson, who was a U.S. Marshal in Illinois. So these guys come forward and plead with the attorney for the insurance company to let Felker go free so he could continue his pursuit of the real criminals and recover the rest of the stolen money. Now, the company, they don't know what to think. Some officers of the company, including their attorney, H.G. Blake, 
are inclined to take their word for it and have Felker released, hoping it was true that he could go get the rest of their money. But others, including a very influential founding member of the insurance company who was named Asa Farnham, are on the side of Pinkerton, who is saying, holy cow, this is a big con. Felker is guilty as hell and his allies equally corrupt. Now, I want you to appreciate the drama of what happens next, because when I read this, I keep thinking of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. So the majority of the Ohio Farmers Board of Directors vote to allow their attorney, Blake, to take the prisoner, Felker, to a meeting in Cleveland that is attended not only by all of the Felker's supposed law enforcement allies, but by Alexander McKay, one of the actual burglars. And during this meeting, they convince the insurance attorney, Blake, that they have a plan for getting the company's money back. But it has to start with Felker being freed from jail. Then that night, to ratchet up the pressure, three of them send dispatches to attorney Blake's home in the middle of the night. Blake, he is already down and asleep for the night. And these men had carriers right out to his home, bang on the door. These guys had to be on horses. I mean, it's 1865. They're banging on the door. And each dispatch carries the message that if Ohio farmers doesn't fire Pinkerton immediately, the plan that they had just made up in Cleveland to get the company's money back would fail. Now, after the third dispatch, Attorney Blake is like super excited about what's going on. Got to move, got to move fast. He jumps out of bed, gets on his horse, takes a wild ride through the night to the homes of the company directors to let them know that these dispatches were urgent and that it's really important that they fire Pinkerton and let the prisoner Felker free ASAP. Before the sun even rises, All the directors who are siding with the attorney and wanting Felker to go free show up at the home of Asa Farnham, that one director who believed Pinkerton, to tell him they had all just agreed to let Felker go. Asa Farnham would later write, To say that I was surprised is not sufficient. I was mortified, chagrined, and completely dumbfounded. So the sun rises, the day begins, Felker is released from the Medina County Jail, and all the Ohio Farmers directors travel to Cleveland to see off their attorney Blake, Felker, and his allies who are on their way to Chicago on a mission to retrieve the stolen money. Not a lot was written about what exactly happened in Chicago, but this we know. Blake returned to Medina County with $1,100. It's all he could collect. During his trip to Chicago, he was taken to the home of that burglar, Alexander McKay, with the promise that $7,000 was waiting for him, but McKay's wife could only apologize and say, eh, that money, it was all gambled away at the horse track. So add the $1,100 that Blake brought back to the $8,700 that Banker Price had turned over from those stolen bonds, and it means the company only ever recovered $11,900 of the $60,000 that was stolen. And to this day, it's not even clear who all of Felker's allies were or what they had to gain by supporting his contention that he was an undercover agent. Pinkerton, he didn't need to be fired. He resigned from the case 
in complete disbelief that the company had fallen for what seemed like the greatest, boldest con the imagination could comprehend. And the Ohio Farmers Insurance directors, confused and weary, just dropped the investigation and decided to just take the hit. Anyway, I want to thank retired Rittman police chief and local history author Mike Berg for suggesting this case and helping us research it. All right. Well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-size Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.